0: Chicago, Washington, 31 to 15. My notes on this are: kill me, kill me, please. So, hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to the NFL. It's uh, week three is in the books, and we're about to figure out who is coming up on top and who's about to drop off. We got news questions and obviously game reviews and looking forward to next week so hey we got connor here and we got ronan hello how are we getting on any crack
1: yeah i'm doing all right I'm a little bit under the weather dealing with a bit of a cold or something like that mm. hasn't been quite upgraded to man flu levels but uh despite that managed to be relatively productive i saw ireland win in the rugby that was nice to see mm. uh, big performance uh, from them the hype train is just fully in force now again. <laughs> ireland. I never doubted them for a second, even when it got beat by like fifty points by England. Uh, <laughs> I managed to see the new uh, Brad Pitt sci-fi film. How is that, actually? Ad Astra? It's pretty good. It's very interesting, uh, but there's a big twist ending of that Astra, uh, which turns out it was all just a publicity stunt for Vauxhall, But anyway.
0: Uh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, no, because um, I was I was reading online a bit about it, and I seen like just the very polarizing kind of like some people are like ten out of ten. Yeah. I remember there was something where the comment was uh, I don't know why they made it so short I could have sat through another hour and then the next person was like don't waste two hours of your life on this piece of shit and I was like
1: "Hmm." yeah it's like if you're if you're an Elon Musk type person you won't like it Uh, because the message it's giving is kind of quite different from what you'd expect from your standard sci-fi fare these days okay Uh, but it's got some really good set pieces it's kind of interesting it's worth Um. having to watch I don't know if I'd seen the cinema but Definitely one to
0: kind of have in the backlog, and if you have a lazy Sunday, maybe catch up on it. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I don't have any lazy Sundays at the moment. Just knee deep in the uh, exam prep. I've got exams coming up, so working during the day, studying during the evening, and obviously kind of watching the watching the matches and just bringing it all in. You know, it's just just getting it all together. So I suppose we'll fly in and start off with the news. The big one this week is there's been a lot of injuries to quite important players, so we'll kind of go through a few of these. New York Giants running back Saquon Barkley has a high ankle sprain and is expected to be gone somewhere between four and eight weeks. There's been some discussions because he apparently had a similar injury in college and was back within two weeks, but you know, high ankle sprains are the kind of piece of string kind of uh, injury where it's literally how long is it? you don't know, it can vary wildly from person to person, which is interesting because, we'll, as we'll talk about later on, New York Giants are showing a bit more promise now with the new rookie Danny Dimes under centre, but uh, this has got to be a harm to uh, to any chance they have of having a you know success with the young rookie.
1: The Giants were to like jump off that game this week and maybe push into like, maybe kind of wild card contention, kind of stay around with that, like, you know, evens type of score, I think Saquon Barkley would have continued to be a huge part of that, uh, particularly in the kind of screen and short passing game. A massive safety blanket for Eli Manning, you'd expect he would have done a similar role for Mm -hmm. Daniel Jones, but even more so. So I think it definitely caps what you can do in that offense. But on the other hand, if you want to get a chance to see this rookie quarterback and see him have to really put his, you know, put himself to the wheel, then doing it without Saquon is a very good way to show that. Like I think, does this make the New York Giants worse? Yes. But I don't think the Giants were expecting to be a contender this year. So maybe in the long run, getting a view of what this team could be like without Saquon or without relying on so much might be useful for the development of the offense and the team as a whole.
0: Yeah, of course, and then obviously, like we said, I think it's um, there's only one more game before they get like Golden tape back to them bolster the receiving core a little bit. So there is stuff to be positive about, and we'll discuss that game later on, but yeah, unfortunately for Saquon Barkley. Wayne, Wayne Goleman time. Get Wayne Goleman, yeah, everyone straight to your waiver wire pickups. When, when this comes out, it'll already be past the waiver <laughs> wire page, but yes. Atlanta safety Keanu Neal has torn his Achilles, and he's out for the season. We're going to talk about Atlanta in a bit, but like... Keanu Neal was a very good player on a defence that, let's be honest, seems a little bit soft and a little bit directionless. He was a leader on that defence and quite a good tackler, a bit of an enforcer for them at times. So this just makes me more worried about the trajectory of the Falcons, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely a loss. And like Keanu Neal, he suffered an injury last year, missed a lot last season as well. Um, so you've got to be worried about that. And I think the position... He plays in the way he plays it as an enforcer, like a Cam Chancellor almost type player. Those players tend to be obviously putting their body more at risk by the way that they play the game. And um, with Keanu Neal, you know, he's got all the talent in the world, but if these type of injuries keep occurring year on year, then you have to start worrying about his long-term future. But I think for, for an Atlanta defense, which just seems like, let's be honest, a little bit soft, not really lacking any punch, um, losing one of the few players that has that capability, has an ability to ramp up and amp up a defense, again, yeah, is really a massive loss. And- Yeah, Atlanta, it feels like a floating team right now. We're not really sure where they're going, but the early indications are certainly not good.
0: Yeah, of course. Jacksonville quarterback Jalen Ramsey was in the news throughout the week because uh, I think we mentioned this in the last podcast, there was a lot of trade rumors coming out. He had had a falling out with the coach, although there's been words since that it's not the coach, it's actually the GM that he's had some fallings out with. Since then, there's been a lot of stories. He's been linked to several different organizations, Chiefs, Ravens, and a couple of ones in the NFC as well. And... Since then, Shad Khan, the owner, has come out and said quite publicly, well, I, I was just gonna plan on making him the highest paid cornerback in the league maybe uh maybe he wants to do that and stay around jacksonville Uh so there's a there's now a possibility that jacksonville have realized it would be completely stupid to get rid of one of the the best or one of the top three corners in the league for no reason whatsoever to back a coach who will not be there next year all going to plan so yeah jack he's, he's currently out with the flu they reckon he might not be available for this game trade rumors are still swirling but as days go on, it looks more and more likely Jalen Ramsey might be staying with Jacksonville.
1: Yeah, I think it makes sense. He's a good player. Um, perhaps, I think, in a better organisation, in a better locker room, he might be kept more in check. So there's obviously worries about that. But I think the talent is undeniable. And when he's in his top, he's one of the few lockdown corners in the league. Mm. Um, I think the flu may have come at a... Nice time for the two sides to kind of cool down. Yeah, although he has—he has probably a fever, so he's not down <laughs> that much. Yeah, I think it is like with the flu. Obviously, nothing's going to happen while that's still ongoing. I would imagine. Um, so hopefully, by the time that he comes back onto the field, Jacksonville under the under the tutelage of the amazing Gardner Minshew will have
0: racked up maybe a win or That's, two. That's what I was going to say. Like, Gardner Minshew, yeah. uh, well, they got their first win already, <laughs> didn't they? Yeah. But the, uh, the, you know, maybe Jalen Ramsey just looking and going, well, actually, I've got a chance to play with a legend in the making here, so maybe I'll exactly. stick around. You know, um, he's a cool
1: dude. He gets
0: me. Yeah, speaking <laughs> of legends, not all of them are positive. Cleveland, uh, who look to have decided to fuck everyone's hopes and dreams from the from the off-season out the window, have now uh, had some more injuries to their team Who were already on shaky ground? Tight end David Njoku has broken his wrist and is likely gone for the season. And linebacker Christian Kirksey has done his hamstring and is also gone for the season. It just doesn't seem to be clicking at all for the Browns organization, and things like this are just going to make it worse.
1: Yeah, and I think one thing when you look over the roster, there's a lot of no names kind of backing up people like David Njoku and Christian Kirksey, so it doesn't really feel like a deep talent pool. Now they obviously have a lot of young players who may end up stepping up or not but right now there's not much proven talent coming in behind these two so you'd worry that for a team that really just needs someone to you know, steady the ship and kind of get them going the right way, that losing a safety blanket in Jogu could affect Baker Mayfield even more than it already has although I think the issues of that team go a lot deeper um, than just a couple of injuries such as this but they definitely
0: don't help. No, of course. Now, if you want to be the eternal optimist for Cleveland, perhaps removing one of the mouths to feed on that offence might make it a little bit more simple and you won't have to go through, like, six read progressions to try and figure out where he's going with the ball. Just
1: just, just be like Eli. Just, just throw it to OBJ. Just do it. Yeah. Like, whatever he... The he has a chance on any given play to turn it into something
0: that makes you look really good. Philadelphia's injury woes continue. Cornerback Ronald Darby has injured his hamstring. He's going to be out for between one and two months depending on the injury. I think they currently have two wide receivers on the roster and, yeah, just, it is yeah. not looking good. We'll discuss in the game about just how much this affected them but, like, this Philly team is playing a lot like they're playing the kind of lineup that you'd expect to see them like field in week sixteen when they've got a three game lead and they just don't need to they can rest starters, you know?
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of an issue, I would say, the injuries and Ronald Derby, I guess there was one position that they couldn't afford to lose players, it was the secondary. Like Sydney Jones is the only player left and he's notoriously kind of injury prone mm. that that was in any way a starter call a caliber cornerback but as you mentioned the offense has already been racked by injuries, so we're not sure how long that will continue for to Deshaun or Jackson and Austin Jeffrey it doesn't help that one of the few healthy wide receivers you have is Nelson Aguilar who's dropping passes all the time and is getting burned uh, not just on the field, but uh, off the field as well. By, uh, have you seen this? Did you see this? I have no, indeed, we, yeah. Cause
0: I, just, I thought yeah. it was interesting you used the term burned because it was yeah. because of a fire that was happening that this happened. Go on, Ed. Yeah.
1: There was a burning building in Philadelphia and they were basically
0: taking extreme actions to save people inside and they were dropping, well, the guy... Throwing kids dropping, out the window, essentially. Yeah,
1: they were throwing babies out the window. And we were catching them.
0: And he says, unlike Nelson, unlike <laughs> <laughs> like Nelson Aguilor, I love yeah. it. is really, because like Aguilor did have um, well, just as labor, he did have like a very nice catch for a touchdown in the game and stuff. But he was also yeah, there's just yeah. that it, it, it's almost like the Demetrius Harris thing of the like he'll make two really good catches in a game and then but to do that he'll have had to have dropped seven catchable balls. One job,
1: Connor.
0: One job. One yeah. job. <laughs> One chance, one opportunity. And Indianapolis wide receiver T.Y. Hilton has re-aggravated his quad injury. We don't have any further details on that just yet. And their safety, Malik Hooker, has torn his meniscus, so he's not going to be for three or four weeks up to about a month or so. So, Indy, interesting to see that happen because they've been... uh, They've been surprisingly functional as a team and getting quite a lot out of uh, Jake Brisket. We'll discuss them later on, but obviously, TY is a key part of that offense, so if he's out for any extended time, that impacts heavily. Uh, Malik Hooker has been very good for them. Thankfully, it's not a season ender, but uh, you got to wonder if they need everyone working as a complete team to win games. These are the kind of things that will hurt you more than if you had an Andrew Luck to kind of, you know, yeah. pull them out of the fire.
1: I think these are both kind of game changers that they still have. I think TY has been incredibly important for that offense. I think he's kind of been the go-to guy when Jacoby Brissett not make a big play, and we know Malik Hooker is a great playmaker in the backfield, and their defense has continued to be really good. Now, I think the defense has enough piece of pieces, and it's well-coached enough that they can hopefully not collapse due to that loss of Malik Hooker, uh, but I'd be actually worried that the offense, if it slows down more, because the offense hasn't been firing at all, so by any degree, mm-hmm. if it starts slowing down further, these close games that they're they keep getting involved in, you know, that's the kind of margin of error that can end up you know erring against you mm-hmm. going
0: forward. No, of course. So we'll move on to controversy corner. I wonder who this is going to be about. Oh yeah, Antonio Bryan. Antonio Bryan has been released by New England. They have been reticent to try and talk about this at all, trying to avoid it at all costs and every. Media opportunity, but obviously the media wants questions answered. So this is obviously after there's a storyline about the uh, civil case being filed against him for sexual assault. Then the story emerging that there was potentially more than one person there. Then a very unusual story about him being sued by a doctor because he repeatedly farted in his face. He's up in court this week over apparently trashing a multi-million dollar uh, penthouse that he was renting. And then to top it all off, it turns out that he was sending threatening messages and, 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 and photos to his accusers on the upcoming civil case that was happening. Like, this is off the charts.
1: Weird. Yeah. Now, like, the, the messages and stuff were all very much based on the implication rather than him explicitly threatening yeah. anything. He, he, was, he,
0: he sent a picture of the accusers' children or the reporters' yeah. children, wasn't it?
1: And this is while in a group text with, I think, one of his associates and maybe one of his lawyers. Mm -hmm. And just basically threatening to, like, threatening to, like, financially ruin her or that, you know, this poor case was, well, the case that she may want to bring. Um, This is the one from the SI story, not the uh, the Brittany. Whether he thought he was being subtle in this case or not, I think, once you bring someone's children into it, you start mentioning them in the context of negative consequences Anyone who isn't an idiot would realise that that's not going to look good when you're already on basically the thinnest device, and this basically became inevitable once that story broke. And you know, New England and Bill Belichick in particular, obviously, have tried to just go, "Well, we've moved past that." And Tom Brady gave a post-game interview comment basically saying, "You know, I'm, you know, I don't, you know, I'm basically, I'm kind of glad that happened." But let's be honest: the way that Bill Belichick has treated this entire situation has been. You know, reasonable. It's been it's been awful. He's decided to use the shield that he has built up through his success in the league to basically just like uh, silence all of the journalists who want to ask any questions yeah. about this, and this basically like, keep this, this, this on the
0: this thing, down low. And this, is totally always, this is something that's always this something always annoy me. It's like, why does everyone kind of go, "Oh, Bill Belichick, he's incredible. He doesn't take no shit from anyone. He he's a dickhead, right?" These journalists are there to do a job. They're meant to ask questions. You're there to answer questions. Like, it's not even that he's doing a Marshawn Lynch, I'm here because so I don't get fired. He literally just makes fun of them and is a complete, pardon my French, cunt to most of these, these reporters. And people go, oh, this is great, until they realize, oh, he's just doing this to protect himself and, 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 and in a scenario like this.
1: Well, he knows he, he is more. he's more important than people asking the questions and he's willing to ruthlessly use that Mm. Uh, as for AB himself I imagine this should be him done in the league I bloody well hope so don't want to do any more stories about him Uh, but we probably will continue to have some vestigial effects from, from all of this uh controversy as he I believe he wants to legally try and get back the money he mm. believes is owed by New England and potentially even all the
0: way back to Oakland yeah so um, the, the Oakland money from, from what I gather from reading about these online the Oakland money doesn't really have much of a chance of recovering it's a very good case he has for the money in New England because yeah. the things that they're saying or the issues are ones that the team chose to basically what we talked about the last then the last episode about, I don't know why the fuck they played him in Miami. The fact that they played him in Miami is going to shoot them in the foot if they don't want to pay him that money, because it proved that he was available for work, and that this hadn't impacted that. Yeah, I think his
1: biggest problem is that uh, whoever the adjudicator or arbitrator is, uh, will probably not be predisposed to give him the benefit of the doubt, say. Oh, of course. Uh, but you'll never, you never know what these things, but even if he does get his 9 million, it won't really make much difference towards his relevance as an
0: NFL player. No, of course. Um, we also saw holding calls, which were a big point of impact uh, over the first two weeks, dropping off significantly. So they said they wanted to keep an eye out for holding more specifically this year, and it led to nearly six holding calls per game across the uh, first two weeks. But that... Has seemed to have been rolled back on. It dropped to just about half of the rate it was beforehand after intervention from Al Riveron. So, uh, this is it, it's an interesting because it, it, there was a lot of complaints in particular about the Thursday night football game.
1: Yeah, it kind of proves the point though about offensive holding, which is that pretty much every play has offensive holding on it if you look for it basically. And it just comes down to tuning, calibrating exactly how blatant it has to be before you actually call it. The NFL is an offensive league, as I'm sure many defenders would would, would try to tell you, and it seems in this case the offensive holding calls, because they were so prevalent, uh, the league said this is making the output worse, it's giving the defense too much of an edge, so tone it down, You know, look for only obvious calls, and it seems to have been an instantaneous impact. I wouldn't be surprised if the kind of average over the rest of the season ends up being somewhere between the three here and the six yeah. uh, previously. But for the next couple of weeks, I expect holding to be to be pretty uh, on the down low. Yeah. Um, so expect lots more offensive linemen to be going out there just mauling defenders as much as they can.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because it, it does go back to, I've heard numerous reports throughout the years of uh, line coaches uh, and head coaches informing their lines to basically go out and hold all you want because I guess you kind of say, look, if you're doing it every play, they're not going to blow it every single play because no ref is going to, be going to be the one who says, right, this is 25 holding penalties and I'm ejecting four of your linemen. So, uh, someday,
1: someday a ref will do that and it will be... It'll so it'll glorious. I'd love it.
0: Like, It'd be fantastic. I think
1: we're both, we're both kind of fans who, who at least equally appreciate good defence as well as good offence. Yeah,
0: so. it's uh, be some crack. But yeah, so it's, it's interesting. It's always good to see that there is kind of a bit of a flexibility within how they how they approach it and that they will indeed kind of make changes to try and improve the experience which is a positive although it was interesting as as i said there's pretty much every fan base out there after tom brady started tweeting about there being too many flags and they were like well here's a video of tom brady getting very soft flags and him not complaining about them at all when they're in his favor kind of thing um but yeah, it was... Uh, and, oh, and, and we might mention it later, but Tom got very pissy and started shouting at the referees during his game this week, which was always a bit of fun to see. So we'll move on. There was actually... Uh, I suppose next time we talk about Antonio Brown, he'll probably be in crime and punishment. What are they doing? Probably felonies. Uh, we don't have any crime and punishment this week because Antonio Brown has yet to be charged. So we'll move on to transactions and have a look at signings. This one I just thought we needed to mention because I thought it was fantastic. Dallas admit the failure of their first round pick, Taco Charlton, the defensive end. So they cut ties. So he's then immediately picked up by Miami and plays Dallas in Dallas and gets his first sack at AT&T Stadium against, the, against his old team, which is always a nice spot to see.
1: It's just a fun story. And I think Miami's, like what we saw last week with Aaron Colvin signing, they're kind of becoming the default Oh, you got couple of your team? Yeah, come down to Miami.
0: We're we're still a
1: team, technically. Yeah. Um, no, no, no state know,
0: income tax. Nice weather. Come on. Yeah. The 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 storms are pretty much finished up for the season. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, except for the shit storm of just bad play for the rest of the season. But uh, yeah, like it, it was a nice story in uh, a brief positive spot for Miami where. Uh, they could certainly do it all of if they can of have
0: No, of course. And we also saw uh, running back CJ Anderson got cut from the Detroit Lions. And uh, Michael Crabtree got cut from the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, not really expecting to see them. Unless there's a lump of injuries to someone, I don't really see them filling out the rosters anywhere.
1: Yeah, maybe CJ will get picked up just because running backs are so... Well, they get broken down so quickly and because they're so
0: replaceable. Yeah, of course. But... Uh, Sure, we'll see. And, uh, yeah, that's most of it. The only, the only other, uh, major news we need to mention, cause it's, uh, it's one of your favorite trains, the Swag Kelly hype train. It got slowed down again, cause he got cut off the roster. He's on the
1: practice squad, so the dream isn't over yet, but,
0: uh. It's just getting further and further away. Okay, yeah. sure. Look, we'll move on and we'll have a look at the games from last week. So I suppose we'll start Thursday night football. Tennessee at Jacksonville, seven to twenty. Uh, we both got this one wrong in our predictions. Anyway, Gardner <laughs> Minshew looked uh, pretty pretty good in this one, and this Jacksonville defense, as I would say, Saxonville is back. I hate the term Saxonville. They got nine (laughs) flags. I think it was Clays Campbell led the team in sacks in this game. Yeah, it was was quite an impressive outing from Jacksonville who handled the Titans kind of from start to finish. But to be honest, like I've said it before and I'll say it again, I don't give a shit about the Titans. I think they're boring. I don't think they're good enough. And yeah, this might be the last time I discuss them for this season.
1: I definitely have major problems with the Titans. I think they're a little bit... They're just very vanilla, and as I told you last week, the one thing that they just continue to refuse to do is to allow Mariota to get outside the pocket and maybe have some design runs for him. I think, like, Mariota, when you take away his ability to do something on the ground or do something uh, outside the pocket, he's just not a pocket quarterback, and without some major training up, he's never going to be. So, you know, you have Mariota. He obviously has major issues. Uh, and I don't think he's a franchise quarterback but if you are going to be stuck with him this year which you are pretty much unless you bring in Ryan Tannehill who hardly inspires much more confidence then I think you need to use him of this. like if I'm, I, if I do, was them
0: I'd be getting close to just bringing in Tannehill to see what happens because I am yeah. not feeling yeah. it at the right,
1: moment but- Try out Mariota as a full read option or even RPO type quarterback instead of trying to run this vanilla offense. Sure, it's making Derrick Henry look good, and that's nice and all. But Derrick Henry really no?
0: didn't do much in this game either. Like, yeah. it was just.
1: It's not winning you games. As no. for Jacksonville, yeah, the defense kind of did most of the work here. But Gardner Minshew, for a six round rookie, he continues to perform adequately. And the guy's a baller and a dude. So we're going to give him all the benefit of doubt that he needs uh, as he as he if he can win wins, no matter how he does it. So you know, all, all hail Gardner Minshew. No, uh, of even course. If he was technically. I played on the stat sheet by Mariona in this game. Yeah, also Adam Humphreys did
0: a thing. Wow. Yeah, Adam Humphreys six catches actually showed up. Uh, that was interesting. Uh, but of course, the the, the the main one you're looking at the wide receivers is uh, DJ Chark. Do do DJ Chark. He's uh <laughs> yeah. having a nice ni- nice consistent start to the season, like a genuine kind of actual football player, which is not what I was expecting of this wide receiver core in Jacksonville coming in. But, uh, next up we have Miami at Dallas, 6-31. Uh, Miami held it close for a half, which was really was a bit of a surprise. It was only 10-6 going in at halftime. But this Dallas team, as we've mentioned before, and very, very talented. So they just came out firing in the second half and destroyed them with 21 unanswered points. Rosen was in and looked a bit blah. He had like sub fifty percent completion. Uh, like I think just under five yards per attempt or per catch. Like I just I don't think there's much of a chance of this Miami team doing much. I'm just so confused as to why the Dallas team started so slow against them and then were able to destroy them in the second half. But yeah, like basically just what we expected. Dallas beating up on a bad team, but I would have expected them to come out of the gates firing a little bit more. Only um, one
1: takeaway from any Miami game, and that's that you can't take any real takeaways from them anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, Cincinnati at Buffalo, 70-21. Yeah, this was a very much give it to has, like Since he shut out in the first half, Buffalo looking really good, then losing all the momentum and doing nothing in the second half and letting Cincy back into the game. It was... Essentially just the ineptitude of Andy Dalton at the end It ended, because they were pushing their way down to tie the game up to good to overtime. The Bills are undefeated, but I just, I don't know what to make of this team. Like, there was five fumbles in this game. It was messy. Like, yeah, they're there. That's impressive, but I don't, yeah, I just don't understand. Yeah,
1: well, I think, like, people want to talk about Josh Allen. And Josh Allen, we not well, right now, he's a very inconsistent, but, very talented quarterback. Yeah, He does some really cool stuff, and then the next play does something really stupid. It's just kind of the way he does things. He's kind of like a rich man's Blake Bortles, basically. And then, you know, Frank Gore, the unstoppable force, continues to rack up yards. And, you know, they got a breakout receiving um, situation from Dawson Knox, their tight end. And I think that they're basically doing enough on offense. But I think the real star of this team is the defense. I think... You look at McDermott. He was a defensive coach in Carolina. Great, built a great defense. And I think he's he's already building a defense here that is among the best in the league. And I think that's what's kind of keeping them, um, you know, competitive. Even though the even when the offense chooses to fuck up, which they did in week one, and which they did this week as well. As for Cincinnati, you know, you look at them and they just feel it just feels very Cincinnati right now. Yeah. Even in the situations where they should win or they have a chance to win. They just seem to compel themselves to find some way to lose. So, week one and Seahawks, they should have won that game. This game, maybe they shouldn't have won, but they have the opportunity. And as you said, Andy Dalton threw the chance away. Um, so, for this team, you know, I was kind of worried that after week one, if things kept going badly, They would fade away, and they seem to be fading very fast at the moment.
0: No, of course. Not
1: not the best time for the Cincinnati faithful.
0: No, no. Uh, Detroit to Philadelphia, 27-24. to Like, another dropped pass for a loss for this Philly side. It's just, they're there, thereabouts. But like we said, like, so many injuries. They're starting, you know, like, guys off the street at wide receiver. They're losing their defensive backs. It's just... Not going well at all. One thing that I noticed was like there was a horrendous missed face mask call on the rookie running back Sanders on a kickoff early on. Like his, his helmet got turned around backwards and then pulled yeah. off his head. And lo and behold, the referee in this game is the same ref from the New Orleans LA Rams NSC Championship <laughs> game that made a balls of it before, which I thought was interesting yeah lions win but look boring carry on johnson somehow was sub two yards per carry in this like i oh. again detroit lions treating them like the tennessee titans boring don't care not impressed with what they're doing yeah
1: like in a, in a morally just universe philly would have won this like i get that they're like they're down so many players right now obviously Ronald Derby got injured in this game uh, they lost Jason Peters for a while, he got back. Andrew Dillard, they picked up a knock as well. Like, Philly are so depleted right now, but despite that, they continue to be competitive, even in these games they've managed to lose against Atlanta and now Detroit. And the one person that can be blamed for that is Carson Wentz. Like, Carson Wentz is starting to look like the player we were so the MVP type Carson Wentz we saw a couple of years ago, but right now he's working with such lack of resources, really Zach Ertz, and then Nelson Aguilar, every you know, two out of three plays mm. that is is carrying this team. Like the running back by committee, I'm not sure about that. I think Miles Sanders is the most talented there. They should bring him in more. But I think the Lions, they extracted enough value from the turnovers and the special teams touchdowns they got to scrape this game. But yeah, I'm not seeing anything mm. in this Lions game that makes me believe that they're a legitimate contender despite their technically undefeated. Record two yeah. well. zero.
0: It's also it's also such a such a lions oh we're we undefeated kind of feel of like the you know I'd actually I'd always think like one zero and two would be kind of like exactly <laughs> where I would expect them to be. It's not even
1: real undefeated. It includes a tie. Yeah, and then the only game that's the only game that deserved to win was probably
0: the one that they tied. Yeah, like it's just ridiculous. And uh, next up was kind of a bit of a one sider New York Jets at New England 14 to thirty. What did you take from this? I think
1: we took from this that the Jets are in a horrible horrible place and. Would pretty much get stamped on by any team, and I think New England just did enough. Like they, were, they haven't been amazing, and uh, New England, like they've just been knocking over tomato cans, and obviously with like coming from one of the strongest wide receiver cores with uh, Brown, Gordon and Edelman, and now Edelman and Gordon have Knox, and obviously Brown is gone, Don't think that's probably a good thing, mm. uh, other other than the on-field on thing, but the defence continues to, like. I'm not sure how good this defence is, but if you're not a top-half offence, you're going to get shut the hell down mm. by this defence right now, and when you consider what Bill Belichick can do, and the offence being this good, you're kind of like, not really sure how good they are, but they're definitely good enough to... Win the AFC East. That's probably goes without like saying. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I think for the Jets, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do with Luke Falk. Uh, there, he didn't. He just looked completely out of his depth.
0: Apparently, but, um, yeah, apparently, uh, they had the quarterback back in doing cardio this week, so maybe the mono thing will fall off a little bit earlier yeah. than expected. There might be a lighter version, but yeah, like they need to find something because nothing was happening for this team. We said like yeah. sub a hundred yards in an interception at the quarterback position. <laughs> like what are you yeah. gonna do?
1: And you're just worried like the Jets like the the press aren't noted for being too nice up there, so you'd worry that if this thing this thing's getting ugly very fast, how bad will the backlash be against um Darn Adam old,
0: Gase. And Adam Gates and Adam? No, of course. Uh, next up we had Atlanta at Indianapolis, twenty four to twenty seven look I don't understand this Atlanta team at all like we said earlier they just seem soft because you look on paper and this should do it 85% completion from their quarterback three touchdowns they a 100 yards rushing they were averaging five and a half a percent like this on paper should be a team that's winning these types of games uh, Jake percent played well like he was good not incredible Mac was good not incredible Nothing was too flashy. Like, I just yeah. I I as it stands, I have more faith in like a kind of workman like job done by the Indianapolis Colts than all of the talent on Atlanta to be able to come together and actually produce something in a given time. And that's worrying when you think the 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 disparity in like what the highs could be for them that they're just sitting so low at the moment. I just yeah. I. I don't like this Atlanta team at all and I think it's only getting worse as it goes. Yeah, so next up we have Oakland Minnesota, 14-34. to 34.
1: What can we say? Minnesota want to play in a very particular way and it's a way that basically ignores the fact that their quarterback is Kirk Cousins. Dalvin Cook has been the breakout star of the 2019 season so far, as predicted by myself. Didn't dwell on the other <laughs> predictions in week two, but uh, my Dalvin <laughs> Cook prediction looks good. But uh, yeah, like Minnesota... We know what they want to do. They want to run it right down your guts and absolutely pummel you. And against Oakland, whose secondary and defense just generally isn't that good, Cousins managed to have an okay day. He got a few passes. Thielen looked uh, not quite as good as he did last year, but he looked to be getting back where he is. As for the Oakland Raiders, they just look a bit, I don't know, listless at the point, at the moment, which is very worrying for a team which is playing their last year in Oakland, which has John Gruden as their coach, a rah-rah coach, if ever there was mm-hmm. one. But just feels like this offense their Derek Carr is just very, very, very vanilla, and the defense lacks the type of all-pro talent to get things done. Especially because they lost uh, their rookie safety Abrams last week, and I think he was like somebody who was at least injecting a bit of power into the defense. Yeah. But right now, just it's just a team that's not going anywhere fast and I don't expect him to make any impact
0: in the season going forward. No, teams. and I, I just get that grim feeling in the cars for the chopping block at the end of the season. Maybe even traded before then, but we'll see. Uh, next up, Baltimore, Kansas City, 28-33. to This was a very exciting game, uh, particularly close to the end, uh, although it wasn't as close going into it. I think it was 13-30 to going into the fourth quarter. Lamar Jackson played well. There was a couple of kind of missed deep balls and stuff like that. There was a, There was a lot of kind of... There was a lot of very exciting improvisation in this game. There's a lot of very fun, kind of, oh my god, like he's avoiding tackles, doing stuff. But there's also just a lot of rainbow shots that were just thrown up and were kind of you know, prayers essentially that were getting answered. We had ones with like OPI calls, we had ones with like questionable decisions by refs going both ways. But the Ravens came out, and maybe it's the psychology of playing the cheese, of having to score points hard. They went for three or four, two-point conversions. They went for fourth down, I think four times in this game. Yeah, it was it was very interesting because they were a very talented team. And in the second half in particular, when they realised the weakness of the Kansas City run defence, they started to really move the ball very quickly and be able to see a bit more out of it. But um, yeah, unfortunately, just weren't quite enough to overtake the uh, the Chiefs' offence, who just seemed to decide the second quarter is the only time you really need to play football. Why
1: just never do the go-right? Just do the go-right? Oh, there you go more like the gun right yeah basically at this point like it's like the chiefs offense when it wants to switch on it basically consumes to do that at will and score like 30 40 50 60 70 yard touchdowns um with Michael hardman uh and demarcus robinson so not even with tyree kill at the moment obviously due mm-hmm. to his injury and you know they bring any like they're down to their third string running back Dara williams and he starts making plays including um the, the swing pass to um to close out the game. So you just look at Kansas City, and they just seem like, could Kansas City dominate Mm. these games more? Probably. But it doesn't feel like they have to right now. Um. So I wonder, to a certain extent, maybe Andy Reid, who maybe he has a, has a tendency to use his best stuff up too early. Maybe he's keep, when they're ahead by this much, they're willing to keep something back and not just blow it all. But I think the big difference is that Patrick Holmes somehow is looking even better this year than he did last year. His understanding of the game, his pocket movement, everything just looks better from the kind of fundamentals of quarterbacking while he continues to have that ridiculous arm talent and improvisational skill to basically make giant plays out of anywhere if he has to but he's just getting them he doesn't even have to do the improvisational stuff as much this year because he's making them on the design plays and on the normal plays just as well at the moment
0: yeah, so it's it's an interesting one, because I, I remember hearing, I was, I was listening to a bit of coverage about it today, and uh, they were saying that Andy Reid so far, just to your kind of idea, if he's kind of shutting it down and keeping it, essentially keeping it in his pants for later on in the season, he, uh, in every game so far this season, has called exactly eight run plays in the first half in every single game and then it's just gone crazy with the runs in the second half it's like i think it's like 16 19 and 15 or something he kind of goes <laughs> right let's see what they're giving us on defense right score all in the second half okay so shut this down run the clock uh just let them yeah. let them be although you saw in this game mahomes getting a little bit annoyed because it was being shut down so early he wanted to keep going at it a bit longer
1: yeah, i know that's the thing because you know that in charge of this, and you know, a few years old, that wouldn't surprise me if he had that level of autonomy, but yeah, I think he definitely
0: wants to keep playing. Like, <laughs> but yeah.
1: like, well, it's that e- well, it's as easy as it
0: looks. Mm.
1: Why wouldn't you want to keep doing
0: that? That's true, but no, it was great. Uh, Baltimore still looked very good in this game, and uh, like I said, this is this is definitely kind of two playoff level teams that are playing each other here at this one, but uh, yeah, it's like a exciting game and. Uh, we'll move on to some more of a less exciting game. Denver at Green Bay, 16 to 27. Denver's pass rush has disappeared. They have like playmaking talent at every level of their defense. So far, three games in, they have zero sacks, zero takeaways. Even Aaron Rodgers after this game joked about he's never felt, uh, he's never, he's never had a cleaner, jersey or felt less uh, tired and injured after a game and he's really looking forward to it. Lindsay looked good for the Broncos but like, our worry, if, if you're worried coming into this was that Joe Flacco might be a bit old and immobile. He was sacked six times in this game. Green Bay's defense is good but it's not quite six sacks good. Uh, their offense still looks a little bit dicey though. It's very boom bust at times. Oh, you know, you can even see a bit of aggression between Rodgers and Lafleur, or the Flowers still happening. So I think not a lot to take out of this game because the Broncos were never really in it. But it'll be intriguing to see because I don't think the Broncos can sustain a full season performing the way they did. So there might be some changes incoming there. But just overall, again, like we expected, the better team in Green Bay beating out you know the O three at this point, Broncos who are going to continue to struggle to win another game for a while until the schedule turns around. Maybe when they play the Raiders. Next up, we have Carolina at Arizona, thirty-eight to twenty. So uh, Kyle Allen hey? Eh? Maybe we, uh, maybe we somewhat underestimated what this guy could do.
1: Uh, or the Arizona defense is an absolute trash fire and basically should be completely ignored. Um, and they have a particular weakness to tight ends, and that ended up being true here as well as. Greg Olson basically went crazy on them. Uh, Christian McCaffrey did as well, but that's kind of more to be expected. That's just kind of what he does, like basically nine times out of ten these days. Um, But just overall, yeah, like I'm not sure if Kyle Allen is a second coming or anything like that, but I think against a bad defense, he showed like really good talent getting the four touchdowns and 260 yards. So obviously. That ratio tells you that the they were probably getting a bit of help from the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, yeah, generally, yeah, like Aris, like the Arizona defense is bad. And the Arizona offense, like Murray sucked, sacked eight times, just pent up very few yards. Like, he's still really good when he gets outside the pocket where he can run or he can make an improvisational play. He got 69 yards. Him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can't build an offense around that and, you know, we're now three weeks into this experiment there, uh, 0, 2 and 1, and they were lucky to get that tie and I just feel like, yeah, Arizona, this is getting, it's getting very, like, some of the pieces are flashing enough that, like, they might get another chance at this for, they get a couple of seasons chance at this, but do I believe that they're building something here that's sustainable? Not really, it kind of feels like something, this feels like the second year of a system that was really good in year one that's already been figured out, and I'm not really sure where the upside is going forward.
0: No, of course. Um, but
1: the Panthers, if they can keep winning with Kyle Allen in there, that keeps them competitive, and does raise, it, that can basically mean that they can keep Cam Newton off the field until well, he's actually is, this Well, this is,
0: this is the key, because we were talking beforehand about like, that division is potentially just wide open, and... We're kind of going, well, look, there's these injuries, what's gonna happen? We're gonna talk about the 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 New Orleans team, bit. like this is if we can put up these kind of performances, they don't need to rush him back. In fact, you know, unless he's back a hundred percent, it might not even be the best idea to bring him back in. But there's also a lot of talk around this team about like Do they have long-term plans with Cam? Do they have long-term plans with the coaching staff that's currently there? Do they need to consider rebuilding uh, to to, to re-engineer this whole team? And maybe not with this quarterback. Maybe he's not the guy, but he's performing at the moment. But maybe this might start to pose more of those questions for them. If we're going to have a guy in Cam who's injured pretty much every season, the last three or four seasons for a period of it, do we want to consider blowing it up and and going in a different direction? Yeah,
1: and you need a quarterback who can just make decisions quick and can be accurate because you have D.J. Moore, you have Curtis Samuel, you have CMC, and Greg Olson seems to be having an Indian summer this year. They're all guys who can catch the ball reliably and in the case of the first three, can get yards after 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 contact. They can make plays out of anywhere. And I think the biggest issue you saw with Camden in the first few weeks is that he was missing his open playmakers like Samuel and DJ Moore. Kyle Allen, as long as he can just be accurate those guys will get him out of a lot of jams just by themselves. That's the kind of offense they have right now, and that's why Kyle Allen. Like that's why they should wait until Cam Newton is definitely back and can definitely throw the ball
0: properly. No, of course, New York Giants took on Tampa Bay. I went thirty-two to thirty-one. Danny Dimes, big win for them. Dimes, <laughs> Dimes, everywhere. <laughs> Dimes everywhere, Dimes everywhere. Uh, obviously, we mentioned Saquon Barkley got injured. He wasn't up to much beforehand, averaging like one point three yards a carry. But yeah, like like you said, Tate's returning soon. Danny Dives was able to spread the ball around, even ran himself. Like, very exciting stuff. Uh, Tampa Bay looks... Uh, like Tampa Bay. Baby. They did, yeah. Like, Mike Evans had a huge day, three touchdowns, 190 yards. They were destroying them in the first half and then just shat the bed for the entire second half. Like, I don't... Yeah, I've I, even against... Because this is the thing, like... This is, it's, I picked the Giants to win this game because I thought it would be exciting. You know, they've got the running back, they got the rookie and stuff. I didn't quite realise it was going to be this kind of thing of like, you know, having, an, having to need an 18-point comeback and then that's how badly Tampa Bay will shit the bed. 18 points to a rookie. To then get to the point where they can win the game, to then have their head coach decide to accept a penalty to move back the kick so he could centre it because he thought that would be easier and then miss the kick. Like, it is... Every layer of this Tampa Bay team is shitting the bed.
1: Yeah, it's, it's pretty disastrous over there in Tampa. Uh, they do one thing well, and that's run defense. And as I said last week, that's great, it was 1989, but it's not 1989. And because the Giants had decided, hey, why don't we had a quarterback who can do things that aren't just getting sacked or throwing it five yards, um, they were able to take advantage of the fact that the secondary of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is an absolute clusterfuck. So just throw it just throw it over the the, yeah. the good defensive line and reasonable linebackers. Pretty simple formula there. And the huge yeah, on the Giants offense, like I'm not gonna turn around here and say the Giants are now a, a Super Bowl contender, but I think the big thing that you got here is that if you have an offense where the defense doesn't know what you're going to do beforehand, which is basically the problem with Eli Manning's offense over the last three years, you basically could predict really accurately what they were gonna do just based on formation alone and they, just, they had to rely on Saquon Barkley doing magic stuff. With, with Daniel Jones, he looked comfortable going outside the pocket, he looked comfortable running the ball, he looked comfortable throwing it intermediate, short or deep. He just looks like someone who can make plays happen uh, of any type, and I think that's just a huge impetus and change to his team. And for Giants fans, it doesn't need to be a successful team, they don't need to win lots of games. If Danny Dye they need to just make exciting games happen, because the Giants defense is just so bad, he'll have to do that then I think people will be happy enough for this season and Pat Shurmur might have a job
0: after this year as well. No, of course. New Orleans at Seattle 33-27. to 27. We both had this one wrong. A valiant comeback effort but no good. Russell had a hell of a day. Threw two touchdowns, ran two in but you know Chris Carson fumbling again which was a turn, yeah. turned over into a into a touchdown Alvin Kamara was pretty much the Saints 25 touches 2 touchdowns they got good special teams play with a special teams touchdown and a return touchdown this game was a mess sometimes
1: it's just not your day man like, no of course miss,
0: first, first, like, first home loss in September in uh, yeah. in, in Pete Carroll's tenure
1: yeah, and after Picaro had to get stitches because someone threw a football at him too. before the game. Ridiculous. But like, New Orleans were up based on a special teams play you know, and a Carson fumble. And then two of the touchdowns that they got in the second half, one was after a field goal penalty gave them a free first down. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one was based on Seattle failing um, to on a, four, a fourth and one conversion and giving them really short field, so I think Seattle basically did everything in their power to lose this game, and like the Saints did enough to basically do that. And Alvin Kamara, yeah, basically won the game for them. He broke so many tackles in this game, made so many defenders look absolutely stupid, and Teddy Bridgewater, I think. He's never going to win you the game, but I think in this case the mm. main thing is he didn't lose you the game. Yeah. We'll see if that's enough go for this, but he's only needed for six weeks. If he go 3-3 three in three that time, he's yeah. got 1-0 and zero now, that's probably
0: enough. Yeah, I'm not impressed with the Bridgewater experience anyway in this one, but uh, like we said, like it took it took all of Seattle's effort to ensure that New Orleans got the win here. But um, yeah, we'll see how they go in the future. Next up, Houston at the Chargers 27-20. to 20.
1: Yeah, these are like two of the most disappointing teams right now. Because when you look at the talent level of both of them, you look at their quarterbacks, you look at some of the defensive talent, uh, both of them are just incredibly inconsistent right now. Both of them should be perhaps at least nipping at the heels of the Patriots and the Chiefs of the Worlds, but both of them just look like teams who are going to get knocked over in, you know if they get past Wildcard Weekend, they're going to get knocked over in the divisional round. The Chargers take it one step further in terms of shooting themselves in the foot um, through their own self-imposed mistakes. Including now, unfortunately, from Rivers as well, um, and Houston are kind of like grinding it out. I suppose the one bright spot maybe for this for Houston is that the offensive line has started to look reasonably okay. Now that Tunstall's in the lineup, and if their O line can actually be at least not a negative, it could just be a non-factor. Basically, then they have you know the talent around Deshaun Watson uh, in this week, at least in the passing attack, to do stuff here with Kenny Stills. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins it's going to be tough to stop
0: them yeah no of course uh, next up Pittsburgh is San Francisco 20-24 to 24. very surprising 3-0 San Francisco team uh, I think like they keep winning games maybe they shouldn't in this game they had 4 fumbles 2 interceptions they still managed to win it even though they don't have the, maybe the talent at wide receiver they've definitely got a, a stable they had 10 different pass catchers like solid run game again even though they're missing I think at this point 5 running backs their defence didn't get as much as you would expect, but you were starting to see that that like pass rush rotation on the line looking good. Pittsburgh, like Pittsburgh just looked toothless. Their running backs weren't getting anything done. Real boomer bust with the wide receivers whether they're gonna get stuff out there. Like they're the only positive for them is their defence looked better. I think it's Fitzpatrick did very well in his first game back for them. But like as it stands, this is a team who have a Halfway decent-looking defence and nothing on offence who have traded their first-round pick to have exactly that scenario happen. So I just think it's spinning wheels here. And San Francisco, I'm going to be intrigued to see what happens when they run into a proper team. Uh, Rams at Cleveland 20-13. Yeah,
1: so came down to the last play of the game, which is a positive for Cleveland against a team like LA. You obviously, uh, are our 3-0, they have looked solid. They threw an interception on that last play, unfortunately, mm. on fourth down. Uh, which isn't great But you know At least Cleveland Were competitive here um, But I think overall You saw the same Issues occurring Baker Mayfield Continues to look Hesitant in the pocket Even if the O-line Was slightly better This game um, But I think he's Kind of dealing with Maybe PTSD From the first Couple of games So the offense Just looks a little bit Pedestrian right now They're not getting OBJ involved um, and the run game isn't getting involved at all after Nick Chubb had a great 2018. And the Rams, like the Rams look like the Rams, but like less effective than they were last year. I think obviously with Gurley being used less often, perhaps not being as healthy as he was uh, at his peak last year, it obviously just isn't the same type of offense. But I think at the end of the day, they had 200-yard receivers here. So there's enough talent there around Jared Goff and um, that they can continue to put away or get enough points to be, you know, not lose uh, in many games um, this season in the NFC, uh, in the NFL. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit like if the Rams. There's certainly a little bit of a feeling that their their moment might have been last year. Yeah. They really feel like they're, they're where they were last year. This, like, this, this is the thing.
0: Moment. A good way that I saw this put was someone said like, if you think of this Rams team now from what you've seen this season, maybe it turns around, but like, you're not getting that monday night 53 to 52 game or whatever out of this team like they they lose that game now under their current setup like there's just something missing from it maybe they get it back maybe it's just a slow start saving their their their, their playbook and stuff uh finally we had Monday Night Football Chicago Washington 31 to 15. My notes on this are kill me, kill me please. Yeah, Chicago like, there's a couple of Chicago fans out there kind of going, oh this is great, Mitch Trubisky threw a touchdown or two, oh we're getting back on it. You were terrible in this game as well, okay? <laughs> Case Keenum had three interceptions and three fumbles in this thing. They had no run game. Like they were just straight awful. Montgomery looked good for Chicago. Trubitsky was eh. He did okay. Like you could even see on the, on the first touchdown he threw, he came out bootlegged to the left. He could have just ran the touchdown in and it would have been, even though it was, there was no real defender between him and the receiver, but he threw it to the receiver just specifically to get that monkey off his back about the fact that he hadn't thrown a touchdown. I don't know what to do about this team and how I rank them because they have a brilliant defense and I think their offense is absolute shit. Uh, For Washington, same as always, they weren't as fast out of the gate in the first half. And my question is, when do we get to see Dwayne Haskins?
1: Will it even matter because they're so bad?
0: Yeah, good to see the Bears get the win there. But yeah, like come back to me whenever you beat someone who's actually quality. So we'll move on. We'll take a look at some questions from the listeners. So Emmett Ryan has asked us, who are we happy to call trash after three weeks? Well, dolphins, obviously. Yeah, given. that's that's a gimme. Yeah, it is.
1: <laughs> Cincy, I'm pretty much willing to give up on Cincy at this point. Yeah, um, I think they might grab a couple of wins and look okay towards back end of the season, but they're they're trash underneath it, even if they do something.
0: Yeah, the the problem yeah, is, I, I just, think I think I think they're okay outside of the line, and they I think maybe the rookie head coach stuff just isn't able to figure out how to scheme around that uh, so it's just going to be a crusher for them yeah
1: Mazingo's,
0: Mazingo's, yeah obviously they're, they're,
1: they're just intrinsically trash thanks to the nature of their ownership and yeah
0: yeah. That's, that's very true is there anyone who's a bit more out there
1: yeah like there's a couple of other obvious people like perhaps uh, Titans like Raiders. Raiders I think that the Titans would probably be the team that who haven't had the worst results so far, but yeah, they're just not fun, not interesting. Lions, Detroit, Detroit are Detroit. I want to put them in the trash pile if they've got too many wins right now to do so. But you know, if they keep playing the way they are, uh, they're going to end up there. Yeah, and, uh, Pittsburgh are, are on the way there, Connor, as your uh, very prescient prediction mm. before the season.
0: What uh, about what about what, what about this Browns?
1: Uh, I think like unlike say, the Titans. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Cause, uh Really? I think,
0: because I think I think we have, we've both got them predicted to lose this week, which would mean that they're what? One and three? I think they're the kind of team that could go on a run
1: and like finish like eight, eight, nine and seven, maybe be in a wild card hunt. Yeah. Um, it's more than a Lions situation. If Lions go down by like three games. They were like a few games by the hit ball. I don't see them coming back. And Tennessee, they could probably do that because it's just the Tennessee way, but you would hate to see them there, basically. So who cares if they're in the playoffs? We don't want you there.
0: Get out! Yeah, that's true, that's true. So I think that, that those are the ones that we're happy to, to call trash already. There's a few more who are floating near there, thereabouts. Actually, maybe Tampa Bay. That wouldn't be an
1: unfair call. I'll, yeah, I'll, give, I'll give them a
0: little bit more time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no. Uh, Keen Digger asks, us, is Danny Dimes for real? Yeah, for the moment, he looks legit. It's definitely, it's definitely a marked increase in the variability of the offense in New York so there's definitely you would expect it's more difficult to defend against New York even if he is not a great passer he is a better passing option than Eli Manning yeah
1: and he has the great experience of playing for Duke who were at pretty shit to be honest at college level so he's already used to being on the bad team so he's mm. pretty much ready ready to go for that situation which is at least one advantage he has over the standard round one
0: quarterback these days oh yeah like to be honest i would be uh i would if this is a fantasy question like i think it is yeah if you've got if you're stuck in the like the mid grounds of just having a black quarterback just grab danny dimes and ride it for a while to see what happens like i think he's it'll be
1: Pretty fucking shit for the
0: quarterbacks out in Fancy Landing, days Yeah, I like. I don't know why, what, what happened this year, but yeah, this, they're all gone. And uh, finally, this one comes in from Owen. Oh, said, This looks to be the year of the young quarterbacks. Uh, Where's the next change coming from? So I think he kind of said, we've seen lots of quarterbacks coming in either through injury, stepping in, or replacing older quarterbacks, Eli Manning and stuff like that. Uh, who do we think is going to be the next one gone? So who's going to be the next one replaced? Maybe maybe not injured, but like, you know, the next one who's going to be moved on from?
1: Yeah, the problem is there isn't really a lot of obvious candidates for people to step up. I think the only obvious one really left is the one we mentioned during the reviews, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, the rest of the people that could be on the way out, uh, places like Oakland, um, places like Denver. Who's the backup the, 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 in
0: Denver? The, um, well, Drew Locke is currently injured, I believe. So it's someone you
1: probably don't want to know. <laughs>
0: I was thinking, this, this, this might be your chance for Chad Kelly.
1: <laughs> yeah, perhaps Swag Kelly can make his way in. Certainly, there's a lack of <laughs> lack of useful options at this point. But I think the most obvious answer to your question is Dwayne Haskins, and he's the only one right now, that you would think you'd be excited about who would fit into that young renewal category.
0: Uh, is there anyone left? Because I think Eli was always going to be the example of the, of the, someone who's probably passed it, but is still there because of it. Like, like maybe, I, th- I think Rivers is still playing at a high enough level that he's probably good for another year or two, but, yeah, um, they, they
1: don't have anyone lined up right now. Like, if you're going beyond this season, sure, there's probably people who will definitely be involved. you got Tua uh, and whatever in the draft, but, This season, there isn't really that much left in terms of exciting people who haven't had a chance yet. Like These young players, when they they get a chance pretty early this often, and even by week three, week four, the guys who should get a chance are already getting them. And many who we don't think should get a chance are getting them as well. Is there, like, like, is unless it, you consider Ryan Tannehill replacing Marcus Mariota to be a, a sea change in a team,
0: it's and not a sea a change. But it's, a, it's, it's not a sea change. <laughs> but it's a change I'd like to see. It's not
1: a youth movement, though.
0: No, it's not. Well, who who do we think is buying up the idea of drafting in a replacement to maybe take over next year? Then, uh, well, Miami,
1: Tennessee, Cincinnati, maybe uh, like they're too boring to mm. do, it, but they probably should. Um, like Matthew Stafford has been very pedestrian for a while so yeah. Detroit. looking beyond that Oakland probably will be looking Denver Char- will be, well Denver have Drew Lock, but we'll see yeah.
0: Chargers outside. need to get someone in there because like they've they've got what three years max really with Tampa Rivers. Bay and
1: then Pittsburgh if Mason Rudolph doesn't do well this year
0: yeah alright I uh, hope that answers the questions as always fire them into us on Facebook and Twitter and so on and we'll move on and have a look at the picks for next week Okay first up Philly at Green Bay we've both gone for Green Bay I've kind of gone on the basis of Philly might not have a full roster at this point to actually <laughs> play I always pick the home team on Thursday night and Green Bay's defences look good and it might be time for their offence to really kick things up a gear Yeah
1: I expect another decent Philly outing I don't expect them to get rolled over but yeah I think Considering what the Green Bay defense is, mm. and that they're at home at Lambeau, it's hard to pick against them at this
0: point. No, of course, Tennessee and at Atlanta. We've both gone for Atlanta. Like my take is just, I don't trust the Atlanta team, but I hate the Tennessee
1: Titans. <laughs> <laughs> this is the moral universe. It's a just moral, just moral universe idea. Uh, yeah, like I think we want Atlanta to win. I think you know, with the NFC side being the way it is they don't need to be elite to be competitive mm. in that division right now and I think the, the league would be better if Atlanta could show something at least approximating what we saw from that Super Bowl uh, getting to team uh, runner-up team a few years ago whereas Tennessee just like as long as they have Marriott it's just not going to be fun to watch
0: mm. So you've picked uh, Cleveland-Baltimore for your game of the week why yeah. do you want to watch public execution?
1: Well I, I'm intrigued obviously the history between these two teams is a uh, well-known, uh, but obviously the Baltimore Ravens being the progeny of the original Cleveland Browns franchise uh, before the re Cleveland brands were rebooted. So there's always a little bit of uh, nastiness between the fans, mostly going from Cleveland, to be fair, and legitimately so, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, Baltimore, I think, be heavy favourites here. Um, obviously, we saw them put up a decent performance against the Chiefs, and obviously Lamar Jackson is doing really well. Mark Ingram's doing really well. And just generally the offense looks good. Though the defense, I would say, isn't up the best defense as Baltimore has put out. And they definitely are a little bit lacking in that elite pass rush at the moment. I don't think they're getting to the quarterback as much. And what's interesting about that, of course, is that that's the major weakness of this Cleveland team. Like they're giving so many sacks up to uh, Baker Mayfield. And as i kind of said, the hope is, I think, with Cleveland is that they have all this talent, they have all this ability, they just need to simplify things and pare down what they're doing, trying to do an offense and go back to a, you know, a more a simpler playbook but one which better fits Baker Mayfield's improvisational skills because I, I think the defense on the side of Cleveland hasn't been terrible so far it hasn't been great but it hasn't been terrible so I just feel like Cleveland they're in a corner right now it's a, a wounded animal game as Dan mm-hmm. likes to call it uh, and so I think you know this is the kind of game where do I can I can I confidently predict Cleveland will come out all, all all guns firing to try and win this game, which means so much to their fans? No, but do I think would it be great to see that? And do I think they can do that? I believe that they can. Um, I think on balance you have to go for Baltimore, but it would be great to see a competitive game here, and even greater to see Cleveland. Shut, uh, shut up the
0: that for at least one week yeah no but I think having watched that Baltimore team last week I just can't see Cleveland overcoming them unless big changes happen next up Kansas City at Detroit we've both gone for Kansas City well, not impressed madly with Detroit uh, Kansas City are kind of looking great at the moment on all some others this is Mahomes first ever game in a dome so the only thing that might throw him off is he might overthrow everyone and actually <laughs> fire it out of the stadium is the only problem um, but yeah like Kansas City all the way there we dis oh, gonna doink one off the roof off it? the roof yeah it'd be great <laughs> next up with our first disagreement carolina at houston so i've gone for carolina and you've gone for houston
1: yeah like carolina i think are a more solid team but i think with kyle allen i'm not quite willing to buy full in yet whereas i know that the sean watson and DeAndre hopkins and kenny stills um can do stuff so i think houston Yes, they're not the sexiest team right now, but I do think they're extracting wins uh, against the teams that they are overall better than. I just think if it comes down to a one-on-one duel between Kyle Allen and Deshaun Watson, I think Houston can get it done, especially at home.
0: Yeah, I just think Carolina has got a good... A very good running game that I think is opening up more with the fact that they can get those quick passes out and make people respect the speed of some of the wide receivers they have there. Uh, I just, I actually think, to be honest, I, I, I nearly kind of want to swap my pick of the week to this one because the more I think about it, the more I think this is actually going to be a really exciting game to watch. Good defense, good offense, it's good fun. Uh, Oakland at Indianapolis. Uh, we've both gone for Indy here.
1: Oakland look a bit tired already after three weeks. Indianapolis look like a team that's worked like has gone through tough times and has persevered through it and basically even despite the, even if they're lacking T.Y. Hilton and Malik Cooker, I expect they'll still have enough talent uh, both on the field and in terms of coaching to overcome an Oakland team which just yeah, they still look like they care right now. I just, it's just is like ugly just feel like a team waiting to pull Derek Carr. That's about all they're yeah,
0: doing right now. That, that, that's all I'm seeing as well. Uh, Chargers at Miami, we've both gone for Chargers. There's no explanation needed here. Even the Chargers can't Charger up this. Yeah. Uh, Washington at the Giants, both gone for the Giants. My take on this is just Washington are trash. Giants yep. looked a bit of fun. Yeah, like, I could I could see Washington winning this, but at, at home, it's Donnie Dimes. They're doing pretty well at the moment. Yeah, like...
1: There are certain teams right now are really good at losing, and the Mazungus are among them right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, next up, Seattle at Arizona. We've both gone for Seattle. I have a question yeah, mark, I, but I decided to settle there, yeah, because...
1: Yeah, like, Seattle at Arizona is the a game that involves loads of injuries, loads of terrible play, loads of mistakes think back in the 6-6 tie from a couple of seasons yeah. ago. I think back in the game where Richard Sherman, uh, his career in, in Seattle ended. I think this was a game where Aaron Thomas uh, gave the finger as well. Uh, it's just not a good game for Seattle in general. Uh, but I think Arizona right now, um, it's pretty much... They just don't look like they, they have this exciting offense and their defense is just obviously trash. So Seattle coming off a week where they managed to fuck everything up i imagine they'll be very much focused on not fumbling the ball away uh, and very much focused on special teams and should have enough to lock up arizona but as this this game has a, a reputation for ending up being pretty ugly so uh, i probably yeah. wouldn't watch it unless you're a fan
0: yeah that was what my that was what my question mark was i was like they're traveling and this always this has historically been a tricky one tampa bay at the la rams we've both gone for the la rams look rams looked good if not exciting tampa bay looked like the kind of team that if you can just play them for 60 minutes they'll cause themselves to lose like as long as you are just competent for 60 minutes they will shoot themselves in the foot is my take also rams at home in this one so uh yeah minnesota chicago we've both gone from minnesota yeah
1: like i think both of us kind of agreed that. Chicago aren't playing very well right now, particularly in offense. And the Minnesota defense looks pretty good. Now, I think the biggest problem here is it's going to end up being a very, very low-scoring game because Chicago probably do have the defensive talent to shut up Dalvin Cook a fair amount. And if that does happen, this game could turn into a like trench wait a
0: second, I'm changing my decision.
1: <laughs> okay, fair enough. But this this is be like the kind of game that one or two plays could end up deciding this this game by itself. And you know well I think Minnesota probably have just a bit more momentum right now to carry into this game and maybe get yep. it
0: done. But, but you know,
1: it's a coin flip and not in the good way to
0: be but honest. But Chicago have a winning record. So you have to pick against Kirk Cousins. Yeah, basically <laughs> like both good defenses um QED boys. Q-E-D. But that's that, like that's it. Look, it's 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 it's, it's It's instructive, if not definitive, if you look at the history. (laughs) Uh, Him versus Bad history Also, like, this Chicago team does have the kind of defense to be able to hone in, because if all you have to really worry about here is, you know, get a bit of pressure in his face and make sure you have two people spying, Dalvin Cook, then, yeah, it should be, should be an exciting one anyway. We'll have a look.
1: digs might get a couple of catches in this game if,
0: if they oh, shut down the own game possibly but we, we we all know they lose whenever they have them throw more than what 11 passes or something uh jacksonville at denver i've gone for jacksonville you've gone for denver how quickly you forget how strong the mintrew is
1: yeah like this is another one of those games that's kind of for me a coin flip um denver like denver are one of these teams that really is underperforming relative to what they should be doing they're actually not being terrible at getting yards um, yeah like i saw these things. stats
0: actually they gas yeah
1: like they actually are, are actually getting up the field it's just once they get to the red zone they turn into absolute trash except for a handful of occasions philip lindsay just does something crazy so that's their biggest issue but i kind of feel with jacksonville they did okay like they scored 20 obviously in the last game um but I, that kind of doesn't feel like much more is like what they can actually do so this is going to be a close game between two teams that will probably sell for field goals it'll come down to one or two plays and i feel like denver at mile high they're probably due a win i think at jacksonville okay. some so, to but they do need to protect joe flacco so, yeah i
0: was going to say a couple, couple of points on this denver they're trash they're trash people forget about it <laughs> two Denver Denver gave up six sacks to the Green Bay line, to the Green Bay defense, who are not as good as the Jacksonville defense, who got nine sacks against the Titans line, which is better than the Denver line in the first place. I honestly think Joe Flacco might not survive this game. But
1: maybe there's kind of like a reverse... Like, you know, like Denver were notoriously one of the teams giving up the most holding penalties in the first two weeks. And maybe they didn't know that the refereeing change was going to make holding so much less called. So this week, they'll go back to holding every play again, and it'll actually get away with it now. Maybe. And Garrett Bowles will be delighted about that, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, this isn't a game that I would probably uh, go out of my way to watch, to be honest. No. Uh, just want, Just settle for the highlights of Minshew. Whatever he does, even if Denver win, he should have some
0: fun. Yeah. Uh, next up was my pick of the week, Dallas at New Orleans. I had some question this now when I think about the fact that this is going to have Teddy Bridgewater involved in this. Uh, but yeah, look, Dallas looked good, but we're bizarrely really slow to start against Miami. New Orleans is overall a pretty good team. We might see a little bit of Taysom Hill mixed in here, which might be a bit more exciting. They're at home. This is a big game for potentially playoff seeding later on. And as we were saying, we want to see what they can do in this kind of five, six week period while Breeze is away. I think everything is going to go into the scheming for this. I think the New Orleans coaches are going to be able to work out exactly how to kind of tackle this Dallas team. And then we're going to see two excellent running attacks going against each other and two good defenses going against each other. I would love this so much more if Breeze was there. Or if I knew that Taysom Hill was going to be on for 40% of the snaps. (laughs) But I think they've got the coaching and the personnel to be able to make this a really exciting match and give it the kind of pop and ceremony nearly that it deserves, given the implications that this will almost certainly have come January. So I think it should be a fun one.
1: Situations in New Orleans right now, like they got it in Seattle and they do it in Dallas, that would be quite the achievement if they did yeah, it twice.
0: That'd be something else. And then finally, oh god, Cynthia Pitt, um, Owen
1: Tree versus Owen
0: Tree, yeah. Ah, should we call a tie here? <laughs> uh, oh, three and one. Uh, because no, that means there'll be more of this game, so I'm not willing to to endorse that yeah Cincy I'm nearly tempted to just take Cincy but uh, yeah I think I think this is just depressing I think we just yeah let's just not even talk about it it'll be terrible there'll be some okay defensive plays but mostly because both teams are offensively offensive yeah cool so,
1: whoever wins it doesn't matter
0: because they're not going anywhere anyway so whatever no not at all apart from I'm sure I don't know if you listened to the Dave Davish thing. I listened to a little bit of his one earlier he was talking about the mental gymnastics that people can start going through now of like well if the Browns beat uh, Baltimore then they're only two wins each and then if we beat Cincy we're only a game back with the game one against the division oh Jesus it gets very interesting very quickly yeah it's just not happening yeah. these are terrible teams who aren't going anywhere Yes, yeah, so that will wrap that up. So, yeah, any other any other crack? I've obviously got my studying to do because my first exam is on on Sunday. In fact, so I will be doing that and then coming back and then probably watching some of the games that evening. So it'll be fun. What about yourself? Any plans for the next few days?
1: Yeah, so I'll probably be taking it pretty easy because of the uh, getting over a little bit of uh, being under the weather. The next big Ireland game, Ireland versus the hosts of Japan in the Rugby World Cup. Uh, I'll definitely manage to squeeze myself out of bed for that. Oh, yeah. So, uh, looking
0: forward to that. One of the few spots uh, where my time difference here in Iraq works in my favour, it's actually a normal time for me. It's like, well, still, I'd say normal. It's like still like quarter past ten in the morning or something, but it's, you know, you'd, you'd be up anyway. But no, that sounds good. Uh, so, I suppose we'll wrap it up there. Or oh, There's always get us questions online and Facebooks and... Anywhere you find us, uh, you know, on Etsy, on Pornhub, wherever we happen to have a proxy score set up, you know, it's uh, it's always good. Uh, so it's bye from myself, bye from Ronan. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening and we'll chat to you next week.